uh, we have envelopes. If you'd like to write a check or to give cash, uh, you can do that as well. But with that being said, we're going to move forward because that was important. But there's something right now. See, a chair is not going to change your life. The Word of God is what's going to change our life. So, so we're here today to, to end on a note of we, you know, we started here. Matter of fact, this is week number seven in the building already. And how time has already gone by so fast. And how God has orchestrated so many things and so many areas that we've covered throughout this series, you know, the charge of how Solomon was supposed to live before God so that, so that God could bless what he had called him to do. So we talked about living a life of holiness. We've talked about uh, the plan, the plan that he has because God himself wrote the plan and gave it to David himself, and David therefore gave it to Solomon. So, so we see and we recognize that God has a plan for our life, Jeremiah 29 and 11. All of his plans are for good and to prosper us. They're never to bring harm our way. Uh, we talked about considering the cost of what it was going to cost to build the temple, and, and it went even beyond that because David had everything that was needed to build the temple, but what David did was he gave more. He, he gave more than what it required to build. So, so, so we talked about giving the more in our life, being intentional about moving forward in the areas that God has called us to. Uh, we talked about Thanksgiving, you know, because David had a prayer of Thanksgiving, and we looked up the, the, the Greek word or the Hebrew word for, for Thanksgiving is Eucharistia. And if anybody's uh, familiar with uh, Catholicism, that's what they do when they take communion. It's called the Eucharist. And so, but, the, but, but what I like about the middle part of, of Eucharistia is one of my most favorite words ever, and it's called charis, which is grace. And man, and we talked about how grace and grace is a two-sided coin, but it takes both sides of the coin to bring the trueness of that value. So, so a lot of people may see uh, grace as a forgiveness of sins, and it absolutely is a forgiveness of sins. But grace is also the empowerment that comes from God to be able to walk in what he's called us to do. Matter of fact, did Paul not say that your grace is sufficient? And it does what? It works best in what? In my weakness. So when, 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 when we realize that we can't do it within our own power, we have God's grace. And when we go to, to uh, Romans chapter 5 verse 2, it says, it says that you have access. What means you have access? It means you have a key to this. You have access by what? By faith unto this grace. And Jesus Christ is that key, that access that, that allows us to be able to do that because we saw that so flagrantly in the life of Jesus Christ. I, I used a, uh, I'm going to say I used a basketball term there, flagrantly. <laughs> Maybe it's more than that, but that's where I'm familiar with that word. Uh, and, and let's see, last week we talked about... Construction chaos. Wow. We, we've all seen that. And we can imagine during the seven years of how much turmoil that was going on. Matter of fact, he had, he had hired how many hands to help? Uh, uh, 158,600 
people to help build this. And could you imagine everybody is getting in one another's way? You know, but people ha have a failure to to clean up behind themselves, and they they become slip trips. And falls, they become hazards. Uh, but we talked about sticking it through and going all the way through to the end. Because my Bible tells me that the work that he's begun, he's what? He's faithful to complete. We just have to do what? We have to endure and persevere. Persevere. Because we talked about the difference between enduring and enduring is for a, a short-time pain for a long-time gain. But persevering is going through the long haul. It's going all the way through it. And some of us here have been on this road for a long time. And, 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 and it's been very challenging. If we could just really be honest with ourselves, all the obstacles that came up, they become chaotic. But we know that if we stay faithful, he said those that endure to the end, what? shall be saved but that means we've got to make it all the way through the end we've got to keep going to the end so here we are we come to part number seven i don't know if i skipped a part uh, but you can always go back and review but today we're going to talk about the dedication and when i sat this week and i'm like lord there's so much scripture in reference to what Solomon had here. And I said, if I, you know, I could spend the sermon reading the scripture. And then he said, well, why not just read it all? So for those that you have not read it, we're going to get a chance to read the prayer that Solomon prayed. And we're going to begin to see all of the areas that Solomon covered in his prayer. So, so what we want to do at the end of this service is, yes, it's important. I, I do want us as, as members, as board members uh, um, and members to, to, to anoint this place. But you know what's so much more important to me than that is your dedicating your temple to God. Yeah, because may, maybe maybe we've fallen short. Uh, maybe we've we've missed a beat somewhere. And, and and we say, well, Pastor, that's a given. Yeah, it absolutely is a given. But what we want to do here is we want to be intentional in the same manner that Solomon was. And then in seeing what Solomon prayed and asked God for, then we're going to see what God's response was to that prayer. Follow along with me. Second Chronicles chapter six, verses fourteen through forty-two. I know, I know. Thank you, Lord. He prayed, O Lord, God of Israel, there is no God like you in heaven and on earth. You keep your covenant and show unfailing love to all who walk before you in wholehearted devotion. Y'all hear that, right? You have kept your promise to your servant David, my father. You made that promise with your own mouth and with your own hands have you fulfilled it today. And now, Lord God of Israel, carry out the additional promise you made to your servant David, my father. For you said to him, if your descendants guard their behavior and faithfully follow my law as you have done, one of them will always sit on the throne of Israel. Verse 17. Now, O Lord God of Israel, fulfill this promise to your servant David. 
but will God really live in, uh, on earth among people? Why, even the highest heavens cannot contain you. How much less this temple I have built. Nevertheless, listen to my prayer and my plea, O Lord my God. Hear the cry and the prayer that your servant is making to you. Next slide, verse 20. May you watch over this temple and day, day and night, this place where you said that you would put your name. May you always hear the prayer I make towards this place. Notice, notice how he gets on a tangent of saying the word towards. And towards means to turn to. And if we begin to think about this, I preached something earlier this year because the word repentance was not found in the Old Testament. It was the word repentance means teshiva, which means to turn. And this is exactly what Solomon was speaking here. Let, let's continue. He said, may you always hear the prayers I make towards this place. May you hear the humble and earnest requests from me and your people, Israel, when you pray, to, when we pray towards this place. Yes, hear us from heaven where you live, and when you hear, forgive. Verse 22, if someone wrongs another person and it requires to, uh, it's required to take an oath of innocence in front of your altar at this temple, then hear from heaven and judge between your servants, the accuser and the accused. Pay back the guilty as they deserve. Acquit the innocent because of their innocence. For if your people... Israel are defeated by their enemies because they have sinned against you. And if they turn back and acknowledge you, again, we're seeing turn back, and acknowledge your name and pray to you here in this temple. Verse 25, then hear from heaven and forgive the sins of your people Israel and return to this land and give them Give to them and to their ancestors. If the skies are shut up and there is no rain because your people have sinned against you, and if they pray towards this temple and acknowledge your name and turn from their sins because you have punished them, then hear from heaven and forgive the sins of your servant, your people, Israel. Teach them to follow the right path and send rain on your land that you have given to your people as their special possession. If there is famine in the land or a, a, a plague or crop disease or attacks of locusts or caterpillars, or if the people's enemy, if your people's enemies are in the land besieged, uh, are in the land besieging their towns, whatever disaster or disease there is, and if your people Israel pray about their trouble or sorrows, raising their hands towards this temple, then hear from heaven where you live, and forgive. Give your people what their actions deserve, for you alone know each human heart. Then they will fear you and walk in your ways as long as they live in the land you gave to, your, gave to our ancestors. Verse 32. In the future, foreigners who do not belong to your people, Israel, will hear of you. They will come from distant lands when they hear of your great name and your strong hand and your powerful arm. And when they pray towards this temple, then hear from heaven where you live and grant what they ask for you. In this way, all the people of the earth will come to know 
and to fear you, just as your own people Israel do. They too will know that this temple I have built honors your name. Verse 34. If your people go out where you send them to fight their enemies, and if they pray to you by turning towards this city you have chosen and towards this temple I have built to honor your name, then hear their prayers from heaven and uphold their cause. If they sin against you, and who has never sinned, you might become angry with them and let their enemies conquer them and take them captive to a foreign land far away or near. But if, but in that land of exile, they might turn to you in repentance and pray, we have sinned, done evil, and acted wickedly. If they turn to you with their whole heart, notice that. Their whole heart. They're intentional about this. If they turn to you with their whole heart. I'm sorry. And, and so in the land of their captivity and pray towards the land you have gave to their ancestors. Towards this city you have chosen. Towards this temple I have built to honor your name. Then hear their prayers and their petitions from heaven where you live and uphold their cause. Forgive your people who have sinned against you. Oh, my God, may your eyes be open and your ears attentive to all the prayers made to you in this place. And now arise, O oh Lord God, and enter into your resting place along with the ark, the symbol of your power. Make your priest, O oh Lord God, be clothed with salvation. May your loyal servants rejoice in goodness O oh Lord, do not reject the king you have anointed. Remember your unfailing love for your servant David. Let us pray. Dear Lord, we thank you, Lord, for the reading of your word. Lord, we thank you for the heart that Solomon spoke to you. Lord, that he wanted to be intentional, Lord, to cover every avenue, Lord, to be able to cover all these things that may be future, that may be presence. Lord, he wanted to be intentional. So, Lord, we today, Lord, we make this our heart cry, Lord, that this would be the temple in which that you desire to dwell in. Lord, that we may continuously turn to you. Lord, that we may continuously acknowledge, Lord, that it's without you, Lord, that we are nothing, that we can do nothing. Lord, and through you we will do all things. We will do the very thing that you've called us to do and to build the extraordinary for your presence to dwell. Lord, we thank you today. Lord, let me not speak my word today, but Lord, let me speak your word Put your word, Lord, on my lips. Lord, give us an ear to hear what the Spirit has to say to us, the church. Lord, that we would take this word, Lord, and that we would make it applicable in our life. Lord, that we would apply it, Lord, that we would be changed into the likeness and the image, Lord, in which that you've created us, in which that you've called us to. We thank you, we glorify you, and we honor you in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you, Lord. As we can carefully read the prayer of Solomon as a plea to God. How many of us have been there? Lord, will you please, please, please hear my prayer? 
Lord, will you please, I'm begging you, you know, we've become intentional about it, Lord. Lord, heal my disease, Lord. Save my family, Lord. Do this and do that, Lord. Give me the possessions, Lord, that you've called for me to have. And we've made that plea to God and our heart was sincere. How have we dedicated our life in reference to what we've been asking God for? But the reality is, is, is we ask for this and we ask for that. But, but the actuality is, is, is how have we dedicated ourselves to what He's called us to build. He's called us to build a place for His presence to dwell. So a plea that mentioned a scenario but pointed back to justice and repentance. Do you notice the prayer pointed back everything that he asked for? He, he wanted our hearts to be turned back to God no matter the situation. You know, so have we become intentional in our prayers today? You know, has that been the intention of this building that God has placed us in here today? Is, that, is this a lighthouse? Is this a place that people's prayers are going to be answered? But ladies and gentlemen, I got news for you. If we could keep reading on through the scripture and we'll get to that to the end. But see, God did not so much desire the building he desired the people to live as they were supposed to. And, and, and we're going to see that uh, before I keep getting on up into this message here. So a plea that pointed back to the place where your presence would dwell. A place that was recognizable because it was like none other. There was no other place like this in all of the earth. Even the Egyptians have not built nothing in comparison to here. Because why? Because the Egyptians had a plan, but God had a plan. And God's plan was extraordinary. And what we've talked about that extraordinary is, is it's beyond normal. It's beyond common. And the very thing that God's called me to do and the very thing that God's called each and one of you to do is extraordinary. But it's, it's going to cost you something. It's going to take you some time. Are you willing to go the long haul? Are you willing to persevere? Or are you willing to walk this road by yourself with just God alone if you have to? You know, I, I, I go back... I go back to before we got into this building, a brother, he asked me, he, he asked me, he said, Pastor James, or he said, James, he said, if you got to do church all by yourself, will you? Will you do this by yourself if nobody else shows up? Will you do this? I said, absolutely. Absolutely, because I'm reminded John the Baptist, John the Baptist was one that was crying out in the wilderness. He didn't say, hey, Come on over here. Come on and hear what I got to say. He preached the word and he preached repentance because he was who? He was the forerunner for Jesus Christ. So what are we here to do today? Because, because what? I'm here as a forerunner before Jesus Christ comes back again. And not just myself, but each and every one of us in here today. We are forerunners. We are here to let people know that Jesus is coming back. And what Jesus is coming back is for a church that's without spot and without blemish. Because if they were to bring a lamb that had a spot or a blemish on it, then what did it become? Rejected. Rejected. Oh, but my, my, my intention, this is all I have to offer you. This is all I have. So my mind goes back to, to, to uh, Cain and Abel. God wanted a sacrifice. 
you see, and one brought the fruit and the goods of the lamb, uh, of the land, and the other one brought what? He brought his best sheep. He brought his best lamb. And who was rejected? But I, I, I'm, not a, I'm not a farmer. I'm not a livestock guy. I know you can take and you feed your animals. Well, I got four dogs, so I know, hey, here, eat. You're good to go until 6 o'clock tomorrow night. And I know that you can feed them, and there's not a lot of attention that's required for them. But I know tilling the land and making sure the weeds are pulled out, there's a lot of effort that goes into that. You see, but what happened here is that's what God rejected. That's what God rejected. And, we, and sometimes we don't understand why God rejected that gift. You see, but I can imagine in my mind that Adam and Eve said, Hey, we took figs and we tried to cover ourselves. But what did God do? God took the skin of an animal and he covered them. So, so what they understood is that it was going to take some blood here. He understood that it was going to take some blood. It was going to take some sweat. It was going to take some tears uh, from this animal or this skin to be able to cover him. And, so, and that's why his sacrifice was received and the other was rejected. I'm getting off my, I've gotten way off my notes here. But as we say every single week, that one was for free. So the blessed sweat and tears in orchestrating this masterpiece, the sleepless nights that were encountered. Some of us have been pastors in here. How many times have we lost sleep at night? I mean, we're, we're worried. How many times have we been worried about our kids? We know that they're not walking with the Lord, and they're out on the road, or they're out doing this, and they're doing that, and we have sleepless nights, and we begin to pray, oh, I could just imagine how my mom and daddy cried out for me so many times at night when I wasn't doing what God had called me to do. All those sleepless nights that has been countered encounter the countless prayers and petition for God's continuous grace all the thanksgiving and praise in spite of the gloom the seven years of turmoil and beauty of seeing God's place becoming apparent because I sit back and I watch that Four or five years ago the Lord told me to start a church I'm like Lord I don't know I don't know anything about pastoring he said, but all you got to do is listen to me. All you got to do is follow wherever I'm leading you. You don't have to understand it. You don't even have to know why, but you got to do it. Obedience is what is better than a sacrifice. So, so, so through this whole process, through, through, through this whole series that we, 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 we've been talking about and that the Holy Spirit's laid on my heart, can we not see the resemblance in our life and what God is orchestrating here? It, you, we can see the resemblance of our journey of fellowship with the king. I'm just going to touch a little bit on some of the series that we've talked about this year. Uh, and you'll have a chance to go back and listen to them if you, your heart so desires. That can we not see the resemblance of our journey of fellowship with the king? Can we not look back now and see the bigger picture? Can we not see how that this has been a process, how it's molded us? And, and these are things that God has been, been speaking through me to you to be able to put you on a platform. And not, not so much a platform, but in a placement of where he's called you to be. God is trying to do something here. And man, man cannot put us there. 
Only God can put us there. And so, so we saw that come into fruition when you, when you talk about Joseph. See, because what his brothers wanted to do, they, want, they wanted to kill him. And then all of a sudden, the older brothers spoke up and said, hey, why don't we just sell him into slavery? And then we ain't got to worry about them no more. Because what happens when you become a slave, you'll always be a slave. You'll marry a slave. Your kids will be slaves. And they thought that they had that taken care of. But God was looking out for them when they meant evil. You know, and so many people have tried to push us off of the pedestal that God has placed us on. And see, and what we see here is that no man can dismiss us from God's plans. No man, no person can dismiss us from what God wants to do in us. But it becomes our choice. Because you know what? We continue to read. We continue to see that, that Joseph had a choice. He had a choice. He could have slept with Potiphar's wife. And he could have disassembled God's plan. He, he could have got upset and told the, the baker and the servant that, you know, I had a dream one time too. You know what? My dream didn't come true. So why am I going to... Why am I going to tell you what your dream is? He could, he could have chose not, not to bow down to Pharaoh and to interpret his dream. But see, but, but within him doing what God had called him to do, he fulfilled the plan that God had set in motion. You see, and the plan was still so much bigger than that because we go back to Abraham and God said, your descendants will be slave in a foreign land for 400 years. Well, how in the world do you think the children of Israel got to Egypt to start with? Hello, Joseph. God's got a bigger plan. He's got a bigger picture. And sometimes we don't see it. We don't understand some of the things that God is telling us to do. But God didn't say, do you understand me? God said, why aren't you doing it? So I go back to, I'm going to put my wife on the spot here for just a moment. And it's not a call out. But I cherish, I cherish how the Lord speaks to my wife. And I ask my wife, oftentimes, sometimes, and then from time to time, what is God speaking to you about the church? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And then one day she came home. One day she came home. And you know why? Because she became conscious about, I need to be hearing what God is saying. I need to be aware of what God is saying. She said, I heard a song. You see, God speaks to each one of us differently. And I love the way that God speaks to me. God has confirmed to me. He said, I don't speak to you as a prophet. I speak to you like Moses. I speak to you face to face. And she came home one day and she said, I heard a song today. And it's just been on replay. They just kept playing it on the radio station like all day. And, and, and I can't remember who it was that sings it. Uh, but, it the, but the title was, is, what are you waiting for? What are you waiting for? And, and for that, that was, her, that was her, that light bulb moment, that aha moment of, okay, Lord, what am I waiting for? Am I waiting to have thousands and thousands of dollars in the church account for us to be able to move forward? Am I just going to sit here until I know that we can afford the monthly on this, that we can afford the light bill, that we can afford the, the internet bill? And am I just going to wait for that until I'm comfortable? Or am I going to step out of what I'm comfortable in and step into what you've called me to do? So she's made a decision that it's by faith. I'm going to do this. 
I'm going to do this. You see, it's what, what did he say in the book of Hebrews? He said, it's for without faith, it's what? It's impossible to please God. We must what? Believe that he is a rewarder to those who, did he say casually seek him? He said those that earnestly seek him. Did he say that you seek me in wonder and doubt, but know that you seek me by faith, knowing that what God has called us to is so much more than who we are, and he's given us his grace to be able to go through this. And I like what Pastor Gabe, Pastor Gabe came up with a word. Uh, it's not really him, but it was the Holy Spirit, and, and, and he's going to remember this when I say this. But I heard Pastor Gabe say this, and it really resonated in my spirit. He said, agape grace. Agape grace. Unconditional. There's no limit to it. It, it, it is abundant. And, and that's everything that God has called us to is agape. He's called us to an unconditional. He's called us to a more. He's called us to extravagant. He's called us to extraordinary. Beyond the normal. I don't know about you, but I am, I am so tired of the normal because the world operates under a normal. But God orchestrates under a what? An extraordinary. Hallelujah. As we have already mentioned, I, I got to speed up here a little bit. As we have already mentioned, all of the fasts that Solomon mentioned that would cause the people to turn back to God. It wasn't the importance of stand, the standing building, but a place in their hearts that caused him to turn back to God. Because now we look at the, the New Testament word, repentance is metania. And what does that mean? To have a change of heart that's manifested by the way that we live. In John chapter 3, John spoke to the Pharisees and he said, Prove that you've repented by the way that you live. It's there in black and white. You can see it for yourself. Repentance carries the actions of it. That no matter the circumstance or situation, they would repent and turn back to God and be in right standings. That's what God has called us back to. You see, David was not a perfect man, but he was what? He was, what? was a repentful man. He repented. And what was that? He had that heart of God. He desired to be obedient. Lord, I fall. I fell and I fall off the wagon. But you know what, Lord? I, I want to get back in good standings with you. And, and I want to be the king that you've called me to be. And the only way to do that was to be repentful. Did we not notice that, that, that the prophet Samuel called out King Saul and he said that God has rejected you. And what does, how did Saul speak back to the prophet Samuel? He said, hey, dude, he's like, my men are standing here. I really appreciate it if you didn't talk to me like that in front of them. Can we do this on the side? But when the prophet Nathan came to David and he said, thou art the man, what did David do? David bowed down before all people and he repented God. He said, and against you, Lord, and only you have I sinned. So this is the message of hope here today. A turning and a returning back to God. It's not the importance of this building for us. This is just a building. God could have put us anywhere else. Because if you look, there's churches all around us. But God has designated this place for a reason and full of purpose. So, so, we, so we make this place 
a, a, a place that we dedicate for his business, his work alone. That, that, that there's nothing about us uh, that makes this place important. See, because after God moves us out of here, if he moves us from here, somebody else may be here. And it may not be a church no more. So it's all about we. We carry the presence. You know, we asked this morning. We said, Lord, show me your face. Show me your face this morning. We talked about, Lord, let me see your glory. And as we just begin to imagine, as we begin to uh, uh, picture and encompass the face of Jesus. The face of Jesus. And, and, and we're going to see this here in Scripture in Exodus chapter 33. Exodus chapter 33, verses 12 through 23. Read along with me up here on the TV. One day Moses said to the Lord, You have been telling me, take these people up to the promised land, but you haven't told me whom you will send with me. You have told me I know you by name and I look favorably on you. If it is true that you look favorably on me, let me know your ways so that I may understand you more fully and continue to enjoy your favor. And remember that this nation is your very own people. The Lord replied, I will personally... Go with you, Moses, and I will give you rest. Everything will be fine for you. Then Moses said this. Listen to this. If you don't personally go with us. He didn't say me. He said us. If you don't personally go with us, don't make us leave this place. Where were they at? They were in the wilderness. They were in a place in which that they could not provide for themselves. That they were in a place that was dry, that was desolate. That there was not an oasis just around the corner so you can go get some water, so that you could go get you some fresh shrimp. You see, God rained out manna from heaven. And did he not give them water from a rock? You see, God turned impossible situations to possible. And see, and what happened here is that Moses, Moses desired God's presence so much more than the circumstance. The circumstance did not dictate who God was. It did not change who God was. But as we read early in the scripture, God said, I'm going to send an angel before you. To, to clear out all of the Amorites, the, the, all the ites. Let's just put it that way. I'm going to clear them all out, and I'm going to make the path clear for you. And now you can just go to the promised land that's flowing with milk and honey. But this is where Moses stepped up, and he said, Lord, I so much more desire your presence over your promises. We, we've got to get to the point in our walk with God. We've got to get to that point in our relationship with him, with fellowship with the king, that it's more important to us that we dwell in his presence, that we build a place in which that his presence can dwell. So much more than the promises of my finances being made. We, we go back to scripture, and he says, seek ye first the what? The kingdom of God and all these things will be added to you. Can we put that in layman's terms this morning? Seek my way of doing things. Everything else will fall into order. 
everything else will fall into order. But when we seek him, we seek his presence. You see, not everybody wants to see God's face. The children of Israel, they didn't want to see God. They didn't want to see his face. They didn't want to see his glory. They All they wanted was the promises. And I've seen too many quote-unquote Christians talking about the promises of God and not the presence of God. There's nothing wrong with the promises of God because they are absolute. They are for us. They are yes and amen. They are that. But what's more important than that? His presence. His presence. And see, if Moses understood what these three million people did not understand. Let, let me continue on here. I ain't even finished my scripture yet and we're already starting to preach a little bit. Then Moses said, if you don't personally go with them, verse 16, how will anyone know that you look favorably on me, on me and your people, if you don't go with us? If we don't carry the presence of God, then all we're carrying is a name tag on our shirt that says, hey, I'm a Christian. But when people, people will see the presence of God manifested in your life and they will know that there's something different about you because of the way that you talk the way that you walk you know we talked earlier in that solomon said that, that all these people will know and they will fear you they will be in all of you they will venerate you for your presence among us sets your people and me apart from all other people you see in the same thing that I'm reading? The presence of God visible in our life sets us apart from quote unquote people that wear name tags. People that say, oh, I believe. It, but we, the devil believes and he what? He trembles. He, he trembles at the word of God. He, trem he, he trembles at that presence of God. I'm not knocking people here this morning, but what I'm doing is I'm bringing an unadulterated word. I'm bringing a word that's what? That's able to save our soul. That word that's able to push us into building the extraordinary that God has called us to build. He didn't call us to build normal. He didn't call us to build normal. God's called us to extraordinary. Let me keep reading here, verse 17. The Lord replied to Moses, I will indeed do what you have asked, for I look favorably on you, and I know you by name. Isn't that great? That God knows us by name. He knows us by name. Even, sometimes he even changed people's names. We saw that. We saw that all oh, so much throughout the scripture. Verse 18, Moses responded, Then show me your glorious presence. If you know me, Lord, if you know me by name, then let me see your glory. Let me see your glory. Then the Lord replied, I will make all my goodness pass before you, and I will call out my name, Yahweh, before you. For I will show you mercy, show mercy to anyone I choose, and I will show compassion to anyone I choose. But you may not look directly at my face, for no man no one may see me and live. The Lord continues, look, stand near this rock as my glorious presence passes by. I will hide you in the crevice of the rock and cover you with my hand until I pass by. Then, then I will remove my hand and let you see me from behind, but my face you will not see. 
Earlier in this chapter, we talked about God was going to send a choice angel. God was going to send an angel to clear the path for him. You see, but, but, but Moses, since God really understood his heart and that Moses desired the presence of God over the promise, so now what God says, okay, okay, you're ready to see something that nobody else is able to see, that nobody, that only a few people want to see this. And I stand here as Pastor James this morning, I stand here as the leader of, of this said congregation, the, of that God, each one that God has called because God told me, he said, you call them by position and I'll call them by name. So I go forward and I begin to call out the positions of all these people that God has ordained to be here. And so henceforth, he's calling them by name and he's going to show his glory here because God is welcome in this place at all times seeing what Moses did here let me stick with my notes Moses had a totally different outlook than the people because he would dwell in the presence of God and Moses would rather have the presence of God in the wilderness than the promise of God without his presence Moses knew that it was God's presence that set him and the people apart from all other people and nations. So God gave Moses what no other person had received, a display of his presence. But notice what God said in Exodus 33 verse 20. He said, but you may not look directly at my face for no one can see me and live. And I want us to read in between the lines here this morning. So we cried out this morning, Lord, show me your glory. Lord, show me your face. And in the realness of this request, we must realize that no one can see him and live. But I want you to understand this. No man shall see God and live. If we want to see God, we got to die to self. It says, for without holiness, in Hebrews chapter 12, verse 14, it says this, Work at living a holy life for those who, do, who are not holy will not see the Lord. If we want to see the Lord, we, we've got to put ourselves in this situation of knowing that we're building something, knowing that we're building a place for His presence to dwell. And only through holiness shall we see him. He's not talking about when we get to heaven. If we, he's talking about right now. If we want to see God's face visible in our life, in our situation, uh, touching our kids, touching our finances, uh, blessing all that he's called us to, we've got to walk in holiness. We've got to walk in holiness. If we want to see the the extraordinary because God is extraordinary he's beyond common and the normal so the writer of Hebrew understood this revelation he understood that I can't see God unless I die I can't see God unless I die God becomes so apparent and so visible to me in everything that I do it's not because of me it's not nothing because I've done but it's because I live how he's called me to live. Do I make mistakes? You best believe it. How often do I print? All the time. All the time. So in Exodus 34, as Exodus 34 continues, we will see, see that in God's presence, because what happened here was after he saw God's glory, then God took him back and he said, he said, take this stone and split it in half. 
and I'm going to renew the covenant with you. Because we remember that Moses broke the first covenant, right? He, he broke the first set of tablets. So this was when God did what? This is when God put his word on his heart. Has God placed his word on your heart? In closing today, 2 Chronicles chapter 7, verse 1. This is my first closing, by the way. I get two of them, right? Two or three of them. <laughs> Pastor Doug said two of them. So read along with me. 2 Chronicles chapter 7, verse 1. It said, When Solomon finished praying, fire flashed down from heaven and, now listen to this, and burned up the burnt offerings and sacrifices, and the glorious presence of God filled the temple. I don't know about you, you see, but these sacrifices had already been made because he said the he burnt the burnt offerings he consumed he consumed what we were trying to do and god put his seal of approval on this because he he consumed the whole thing so i got to reading in the book of first kings first kings chapter six chapter seven i believe it is and the writer of first kings did not mention this but i was like well, i like the display of what god did here god showed himself excuse me God showed himself. So after the uh, festivities and the ceremony was over, because the ceremony lasted for seven days, this dedication, could you imagine? Could, could you imagine, uh, what was it, 15,000? 15,000, and then there was some more lamb and goats that was sacrificed. And, and you know, and seeing what happened here was Solomon was sacrificing them. He said, this isn't enough. Bring me another one. He sacrificed this one. This isn't enough. Bring me another one. It was a continuous. Are we continuously sacrificing unto the Lord in every facet of our life? So here's what happened in 2 Chronicles chapter 7, verse 12. Watch this. Then one night, time out. I get a little parched. 2 Chronicles chapter 7, verse 12. Read this. It said, Then one night the Lord appeared to Solomon and said, I have heard your prayer and have chosen this temple as a place for making sacrifice. So what God's doing here is what we need to be seeing in our life is that when we pray, when we make a request, we should be hearing God speak. But you notice God didn't speak the first time. You, you, did you not notice that it took eight days for God to respond? But he continued to seek God. He continued in this prayer. He continued making these sacrifices because he wanted to hear from God. Do we not remember in 1 Kings chapter 3, I believe it was, that, 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 that Solomon had a dream. And the Lord said, what do you want from me? Solomon said, Lord, give me a hearing heart. When you, when you, the literal translation of this word is not wisdom, it's a hearing heart. Lord, let me hear you so that I may rule over your people the way that you want. Verse 13. At times I might shut up the heavens so that, there, that no rain falls or command grasshoppers to come and to devour your crops or send plagues amongst you. Then, oh, such a familiar verse that we're all familiar here with. Then, if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray, 
First thing we got to do is what? We got to humble ourselves. We got to come repentful. We got to know that we're not righteous in our own self. We got to know, Lord, that what you've called me to do is for your business. It's for your purpose. But he said, if you will humble yourselves. Humble is the opposite of what? Pride? Man. If you will humble themselves and pray. And then he said, and seek my face. Seek my face. Lord, show me your glory. Let me be changed. Let me be transformed into the image of who you've called me to be. Then if my people will be called by my name, will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, I will. He didn't say I might. He didn't say I might. He said I will. This is the promise. This is the promise. But first, he's wanting us to seek his what? His presence. If you will humble yourself, pray, seek my face. Seek my presence, and then the promise will follow. Let me get somewhere here in just a moment. I will hear from heaven, and I will forgive their sins and restore their land. My eye will be open and my ears attentive in every prayer made in this place. Verse 16, for I have chosen this temple and set it apart to be holy, a place where my name will be honored forever. I will always watch over it, for it is dear to my heart. As for you, if you faithfully follow me as David your father did, obeying all my commandments, decrees, and regulations, then... Then, then, then I will establish the throne of your dynasty. For I made this covenant with your father David when I said, One of your descendants will always rule over Israel. But if you or your descendants abandon me and disobey, you hear that? Disobey the decrees and commandments I have given you. And if you serve and worship other gods. Verse 20, we're getting there. Then I will uproot the people from this land that I have given them. I will reject this temple that I have made holy to honor my name. You see, the building means nothing to him. What did he want? He wanted obedience. He wanted obedience. That's what he's wanting from my life. Let me keep on going here. And through this, and though this temple is impressive now, all who pass by, oh, I skipped something. He said, I've made an honor. Uh, holy to honor my name, I will make it an object of mockery and ridicule among the nations. And through and though this temple is impressive now, all who pass by will be appalled. They will ask, why did the Lord do such a terrible thing to this land and to this temple? And the answer will be, listen to this, because my people abandoned the Lord. The God of their ancestors who brought them out of Egypt and they worshipped other gods instead, instead and bowed down to them. That is why he has brought all this disaster on them. These circumstances are purposed to remind us he is Lord. Lord, I don't understand why he is Lord. Because he said I'm, I, there'll be times where I'll send plagues. I'll send grasshoppers to eat your crops. Remain in me. Remain in my presence. And you shall receive the promise of the plentiful. They are purposed to remind us that it wasn't, if it wasn't for him, where would we be? All of us. We know where we'd be right now. I, I, I'm, I'm working on closing number two right here. 
a reminder that because of our forsakening, we have found ourselves into places that will point us back to his presence. Haven't we not been there? We've been places. And it's like, oh, Lord, I see what you're doing here. You, you're pointing me back to you. You're pointing me back to the cross. You're pointing me back to repentance. You see, if we would send up prayers towards this temple, this, this holy place, Lord, will you hear them? Yes, I will hear them. But they got to humble themselves. Pray and seek my face first. Within this statement and display of God's existence and presence, we must walk upright. There must be a conscious effort to, put, to pursue His favor. There is an intention of seeking to please Him in all that we do and all we say. There is no room for other gods, or simply put it, put it this way, there's no tolerance for anything else that will come before Him. Anything that comes before God is an idol. It's TV. It's your spouse. It's just your favorite shoes. It's the nice car that you, if it comes before God, it is idolatry. And God said that he didn't have no room for that. There was no room for that because they wanted to worship other gods. So if they do that, I'm going to burn down this temple. So God's stern but justifiable words are life to all of those that find him. As we made this statement at the beginning of this series, I think we got it up here on the screen. So oftentimes we are focused on the destination that we fail to see that the journey is used to transform us into his likeness and his image. But, but catch this, it's within this journey if we dwell and carry his presence to become his image and his likeness, we can then understand the quintessential of heaven because it's already been established in our heart. If we, if we can learn to carry, to dwell, to operate in his presence, then we've got heaven right here. We've got heaven right here. And all we have done is we have prepared for that quintessential. What is the quintessential, Pastor? It's the most best part. It's the most best part. It is the best quality. Paul said this in Romans chapter 2, verse 1. And so, dear brothers and sisters, I plead with you to give your bodies to who? To God. Because why? All He has done for you. If you can count all your blessings, come, come see me because I'm going to let you start counting mine. I, I've got bunches of them. Because of all he has done for you. Let them, let them be a living and a holy sacrifice. The kind that what? He finds acceptable. This is what, this is truly the way to worship him. Obedience is how we worship God. Obedience is how we worship God. So this is what worship must look like. A willingness, give me some music, baby. A willingness to bring flesh into obedience. You see, God never asked us to be perfect. He asked us to obey. He didn't ask us to understand. He asked us to obey. He didn't, he didn't, he didn't say, well, why must I do this? God said to do it. Turn us down just a little bit, baby. Just as the temple that Solomon built was pleasing to the Lord, but God was willing to destroy it, 
if there was disobedience. I want to get personal with you this morning. I know we're here to dedicate a building, but there's just something that's just so much more important than that. Us dedicating ourselves to the purpose of God. And you may say, Pastor, I've been doing some things. I, I, I'm, I'm in the making of, of doing what you've called me to do. But Lord, I just, I, I just ain't quite there yet. Today could be that day that you renew yourself. That you renew yourself in Him. You renew yourself in the calling that He's placed upon you. That you would walk in the everything. That you would walk in the extraordinary that He's called you to. You see, what we're building here, ladies and gentlemen, is not just a place for anything to dwell. You see, the Pharisees asked Jesus, they said, hey, where is this kingdom? Where is this kingdom? Jesus said, it's neither here nor there, but the kingdom of God is within. The place in which God desires to dwell is within each one of us. And it's just as simple as knowing, knowing of repenting and saying, Lord, I've done wrong. I've not done what you've called me to do. And Lord, and I understand, Lord, that your word is true, Lord, for me today, just as it was for the children of Israel. Lord, and I'm going to make that conscious effort, Lord, right now. Right now. It doesn't matter what time of the year it is. It doesn't matter what time of the day. It, it doesn't matter if we're young or if we're old or if we're black or if we're white or if we're yellow. It, it doesn't matter if we have hair, if we don't have no hair. It doesn't matter if we're crippled or if we're stable. God's called us to extraordinary. What's stopping you? What's stopping you today? I know this word is challenging. If the word of God isn't challenging you, then what is? You see, it's along this journey that we're being transformed into his image and his likeness. If we can learn to dwell and to operate in that right now, we will see his face. We'll see his face. Oh, dear Lord, we just thank you today. Lord, for a privilege, Lord, that you've graced us, Lord, to be able to call upon your name. Lord, to be able to bring forth your word, Lord, in the way that you've spoken to me. Lord, that there's so much more that you desire to do in us and through us. Lord, we humble ourselves before you right now. Just as you said, if we would humble ourselves, pray, and seek your face. Lord, we seek you today. Lord, we want to be the everything that you've called us to. Lord, we want to be able to please you the best that a man can please you. 
But Lord, we need you. We need your grace, Lord. We need your agape grace. Lord, to, to walk as you've called us to walk. Lord, as we make that conscious decision, Lord, today, Lord, let there be a conscious effort when we leave from here today to build the everything that you've called us to. We thank you, Lord. Lord, as we just stand before you, Lord, right now as a living and a holy sacrifice. Lord, we know what it's going to require us, Lord, to see your face. Do what only you can do, Holy Spirit. We thank you. We love you. We praise you. We honor you. We adore you. And we glorify your name. Bring us back safely, Lord, as you desire. And we praise you for it. In Jesus' name.